All right, Dave, we got Dave in the house. Dave, you are a real estate agent. Give us a little introduction. Uh, tell us about your background and how you got into real estate and uh, okay. what interests you in real estate. Well, I, I'm a retired paramedic. Um, my parents were in real estate when I was a kid, so I always thought it would be something I would do later in life. I didn't plan to retire early. I ended up getting hurt um, in my 40s. So I had to leave EMS and, you know, start over. Um, so what was supposed to be my retirement job ended up being a, a second career by necessity. <clears throat> um, and I started uh, in real estate in 2012. Um, I think uh, in the couple of years I was convalescing, I was watching a lot of HGTV and Oh, you know, really? do, doing all the real estate shows, kind of prepping myself, see, seeing if, and, and I always did like construction and upgrading stuff. So, you know, it, it seemed like it was going to be fun. Um, and then I, I started it in 2012, right after the market crash. Right. So it was like nothing but short sales and houses would sit on the market for months. It was like so hard to get a listing. Wow. Yeah. It, it took a few years, but here we're, we're 10 years later and it's a, it's a full-time job and I'm, I'm doing okay. So we're in Suitsboro area. Um, <clears throat> what kind of market, what do you, what do you, what kind of market are we living in right now? I mean, what's, give us a <clears throat> idea of the real estate market in this area. So it's, it's overall, generally speaking, the whole country is in a, like a major shortage of houses. Um, in our specific area, we're, we're very rural, like past Swedesboro. But right here is the, you know, Swedesboro, Logan, Woolwich, East Greenwich, Mullica Hill is like a small cluster of residential areas before all the farmland. So there's really not enough houses here. Right. Um, so anytime a house goes up, there's still a huge demand, even though the interest rates are really high, the prices are really high. There, there's still five or six people for every available house. So it's, it's super easy to sell for the most part. Super hard to get a house if you're a buyer. Are there any Are there any changes or that buyers should be aware of that's in the area? Uh, well, yeah. So if you're, uh, I mean, do you mean real estate market stuff or or locale changes like local changes? Uh, just real estate market. Real estate, Is yeah. there any changes in the real estate market? Um, yeah. So, you know, Logan Township specifically has like super low taxes compared to the rest of New Jersey. So right. it's it's really hard to get a house in Logan Township. But generally speaking, uh, if you're a buyer, and this is kind of explaining why it's so hard for first-time buyers, if you're going to go buy a house, your competition is not the seller. It's not the, you know, a lot of buyers will ask us, will the seller allow this or will the seller let me do that or accept this? Right, right. And, and I always tell them, the seller is not your problem. Mm -hmm. The problem are the other bidders. And they, they all seem to go through the same process where they go out and look at a house and they like it and they make an offer and it's not good enough. And they're a little upset. And then they, a couple of weeks later, they do it again and they lose again. And, you know, three, four, five houses later, they, they finally are, are like at wit's end. Right, right. And they'll put that offer in on the next one where they're waiving the uh, repair, the right to repairs. They're guaranteeing a price against a potential low appraisal. They're saying, I'll close any day you want to close. 
uh, you know, I'll do anything. They're giving letters, which is kind of a, a thing that us agents don't like to get involved in, but they're writing letters and leaving them at the houses. You know, here's a picture of me and my family. Please prick us. Like we want to raise our kids I, in this. They're house. really doing that. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And, That's and you know, crazy. that there's, there's some fair housing com, uh, concerns with that. So as agents, we really don't want to touch that right, right. Or, or be involved in it. You know? So you got sellers <laughs> or you got buyers that are, um, Leaving notes, and leaving love letters. We call them love letters. Wow, yeah. to to the buyers to say, "Yo, pick me." Yeah, to try to put some emotion into the seller perspective of feeling bad for these people or or liking these people and choosing them. I never heard yeah. of that. I've never <laughs> yeah. heard of that. Yeah. So when I moved to Swedesboro, we didn't have as many warehouses as we have. Yeah, today. Yeah. I mean, I bought my house in 2018. Mm-hmm. Now it seems like we have an influx of warehouses. Yeah, and a lot of people are complaining. Does that help the market or does that so, uh, yeah, give us a little idea about I'm that? I'm glad you brought that up because I, I kind of like talking about this. Um, we, you know, all of us in New Jersey, we're, we're like the highest average property tax state in the country. Right. E- even though there's areas in New York, uh, California, uh, Illinois that may be higher local to local basis. But as a state average, we're the highest. <clears throat> and the tax bill, is, you know, your mortgage can be broken down into 360 payments, but your tax bills every year, 12 payments. So that has a much bigger impact on your payment. So considering how bad the tax bills are here, right. I'm, I'm surprised when I hear people complaining about warehouses. Um, Logan Township, I mentioned earlier, is, su- is super low taxes. It's because roughly 30% of the land in Logan Township is warehousing. Okay. They're not really manufacturing. They're not like drilling or fracking or doing anything that's controversial. So They're so, just storing goods. So let, let, let's make sure that everybody understands. Warehouses, they're just storing the storing items. Storing stuff. And they're not actually manufacturing. They're not building. Not they're build, not no. doing any of that stuff. So Correct. That's the difference between manufacturing and warehousing. And warehousing, yeah. And Swedesboro has a lot of warehouses, warehouses. not a lot of manufacturing. Correct. Yeah, there's, there's a few things uh, like a... A compounding pharmacy. Um, there's like some, a bagel place, I think. You know, so there's a few things that are like food or medicine, but, but there's no real heavy industries anymore. I, I, I think up the river there are some, but um, but what we're talking about here are, are buildings to hold your stuff, the stuff that you're ordering on Amazon or wherever. Um, like a couple of these up here are. There, there's a couple other stores. Um, who's the big one up there? Next to Amazon, I'm drawing a blank. Uh, a- anyway, there's a couple of department stores right. that have their own warehouses, but then there's a bunch of uh, they're like drop shipment sites. So there's different there's individual companies that will take like Boscov shipment or you know pick a random store, right. a shoe store, whatever, and they're they're just being shipped to the New Jersey area. They could be heading to New York, or they could be heading from north to south, or it could be the last stop before it gets delivered to our house. Mm-hmm. The only thing to worry about in my mind is truck traffic, which can all be negotiated during the developments. Right. You know, like you guys pay for this or move signage this way. They, they put some islands in some back roads to prevent trucks to try to reroute the, the traffic. Okay. But what th- all these warehouses do is they take up a lot of land and collect a lot of taxes and they don't send kids to school. The school taxes are really what's killing us. Oh, yeah. And like Woolwich was built up so fast over the last 15 years, they had to build several new schools. And Woolwich taxes 
skyrocketed compared to Logan. Well, it just right. So Logan's filling in more and more warehousing, and finally, some of these other towns are getting smart. And you know, I think warehouses are great because they're going to subsidize our schools. They're going to subsidize our tax bill. All right, that's good. Good, good to know. I, yeah. I, I didn't know that either. But what about buying a home? You know, what advice do you have? <clears throat> a lot of these young kids are now coming out of college and they're coming into a market where the interest rate is 8%. Yeah. So my neighbor is actually paying double or triple yeah. the amount that I'm, you're paying. I'm paying. And my mor- their yeah. mortgage is probably triple the amount of what <laughs> I'm paying. So what do we do in this situation for new young college kids? Yeah, it's hard. They're, they're the ones getting it the worst. Um, the the first-time buyers are almost priced out right now. Um, I, you know, my advice to my own daughter, who's one of them, she just graduated a year ago and, and got her first job. And, um, I told them don't move out, don't get an apartment and waste money, right? Save your money and, and make yourself a 20% down buyer, you know, save up and, and like w- over the years, we've become the 3% FHA, 3% conventional, put a little bit of money down and make your payment kind of a, a, philosophy or, right. or a, that that's just how we think. Um, but I bought my house in 1995 here at 8.125%. Wow. And within, that was that high back then? Yeah. Oh, I didn't yeah, know that. Yeah, that's normal. Okay. This okay. is this is just a normal rate. I think people are shocked. We're just shocked by it because okay. we were in an artificially low rate for so long. Um, and, and, you know, that these rate fluctuations are because of our government screwing up financial policies and you know, like they wait too, they give away too much free money, they hyperinflate inflation, and then they go, oh my goodness, look what we did. How do we solve this? We hammer down housing by increasing the rates to slow down the economy. Right. So there's like this slinky of, of economics. And the same thing happened back then. You know, we bought in the 90s at 8%. Um, I think my first refi was, uh, if I purchased in 91, I think my first refi was 1999 or 2000. Oh, and it was down to 6%. 6%, okay. And, you know, as the economy goes, which is always up and down, the rates answer it. You know, if the economy's too hot, they increase rates to slow it down. If the economy slows down, which is the next step, they'll start reducing rates again. Oh, okay. So, so we're telling people now, save up your money, be a 20% down buyer if you can, have a big down payment so you don't have to borrow as much. And... You're, there's a funny saying people are using now. You uh, you date the rate. You marry the house, right? right? So you buy the house and be prepared for a higher payment for a few years. But at some point, the economy is not going to be this good, right? right like, right. it's a fact. It's going to go up and down. So the rates will eventually go down and you'll be able to refinance. Do you think they should, do you think they should rent at this point? Or do you think no. they should... In- Best enough. Absolutely no. not. Like I think renting is crazy. Renting is for transient people or or maybe specific people that are retiring or downsizing that aren't sure where they're gonna be. It's like a temporary thing. But if you're if you're paying rent, you're you're basically paying someone else's mortgage. And if you if you look at it from that perspective, you can't lose owning a house. I, I you basically if you buy a house at any price and live there for 10 years and sell it at any price, I don't care if the values went up or went down. Let, let's say it was even. You bought it, and to use a simple math to, to make the point, so we buy a house at 100000 
and 10 years later, we sold it at 100,000, even 95. People have this inherent perspective of, I lost money. It didn't earn money, right? But for those 10 years, how much is 1,500 a month times 10 years? So how much rent-free living did you just get? You literally lived for free. They're basically, when you sell your house, you're being paid back all the rent you paid. I never looked at it that way. But it's a very I never simple looked at perspective, right? Right? I, I don't know why people don't see it that way. But it's it's very simple. Buy a house. Even if you lose, quote unquote, lose money on it when you sell, you, you still get your rent back. What, do you, what advice do you have to homeowners who want to sell their house? How can they sell their house more quickly in this market? Well, yeah, it's, it's real easy right now. Um, I mean, a lot of people are selling junk. You know, anybody that had a problem house underneath a, a, a high tension line, right next to a bridge, right, right next to the highway, all those people are selling now because people are so desperate for houses. So it's not, it's not hard to sell. But if you want to sell and get the most out of it, it's, a, it's very simple. Just, you know, do the decluttering. If you see problems, fix them. It, you know, you basically need no leaking in a house, a working um, HVAC system, working appliances, uh, and just no, nothing loose and hazardous, you know? Tight railings, just basically working. It doesn't have to be a brand new kitchen, doesn't have to be brand new flooring, doesn't have to be updated. Just may, if everything's working so people know it's turnkey, they'll fix it up later and make it pretty later. But they're going to buy it immediately right now. Investment properties. What do you think is is good? Is it? I mean, is it a good time to yeah. buy investment property at this point? And also, I want you to touch on the fact that the uh, author of Rich Dad Poor Dad, mm -hmm. or Rich Dad Poor Dad, that thing, that's yeah. the book. He is saying that the market is going to crash because of the Airbnbs. Oh. And just give us a little insight <clears throat> yeah. on that. Yeah, I, I, I think a lot of the, the um, municipalities are kind of fighting back against the Airbnbs. Um, like New York City has some new law going down where you, you almost can't do it anymore. Right. Um, I, I, don't, I think that's really a niche thing. I think uh, only certain people like staying in other people's houses and it's, you know, to me, it's weird. Like, I, I, I don't want to stay in a B&B. Right. I wouldn't make my house a B&B. Um, but for the most part, I think municipalities are getting very uh, strict about them. Okay. So the, the reason they were exploding, or part of the reason they were exploding, is because people could rent them out and have these giant parties. And, you know, that you could do short-term rental and have, have some big thing going on there. Um, and then the police are finding the owners, not you, because... All you people are transit and, and they left already. I don't really see that being a, a big thing um, one way or the other. Um, but investing is very hard right now because there's so few houses for the homeowners. They're bidding up the cheap houses now. Right. So like if you're an investor and you want to make money, it's, it's very hard to get a house at a cheap price. Even if it needs to be gutted, it's, it's being sold at a premium. Oh, wow. Okay. So it, it seems like a lot of investors have just kind of fallen off. They're not, you know, buying anymore. Um, these big corporate buyers came in with cash mm. and, and, and anything they could get their hands on, they already have. Wow. What do you think of some of the pitfalls of uh, buying and selling and, uh, you know, contractual aspects of buying and selling? What, what, what kind of pitfalls it's, yeah. should they be aware of? Well, right now, the 
you know, the main pitfalls are the way we're buying houses. Uh, the, the buyers have to basically give up their right to ask for repairs. Um, they're, you know, guaranteeing the price. If it appraises low, they're paying extra. So I would just say, always be willing to inspect. Don't give up the right to inspect because any, almost any seller and any reputable agent will want you to inspect. We just don't want you asking for a bunch of stupid little repairs that you know you're not going to get done, right? Right. So just buy with an inspection and the right to cancel if something major comes up. So then you get to look at it, see what is there, and then you decide. You're not stuck with it, you know? Right. And and if you're if you feel you're willing and able to handle the problems you found in that inspection, go ahead and buy it. Uh, it another thing people never think of it is funny, you walk in a house and like people will buy or not buy based on a paint color or a floor type or whatever. Which is all, and you can interchange those. And, and, and that's the key. The, the part I want to make is no, nothing in your house lasts 25 years anyway. Right. <laughs> you're going to change that floor eventually. Your, your appliances are not lasting forever. Right. You know, like you're, you're going to change all this. So sometimes it's better to look for the house that the inside needs everything because nothing's been changed, but it has a new roof, new heater, new air conditioner. Right, right. You know, if if the big ticket items that you don't really look at are solved, all this stuff you're changing anyway. Right. That's that's true. Now, in Swedesboro, you have a lot of septic tanks. You have <laughs> yeah. things like that. When I first saw the house, I saw a beautiful house, two acres, but I had a septic tank. Yeah. And I looked at that, and I remember you saying the costs are going to be off the roof. If you have to fix it. If yeah. I have to fix it. Yeah. Well, give us some insight on, okay. you know, for buyers. So septics are, they're weird. Um, it, I still wonder why these towns let builders build these neighborhoods and don't make them put in a sewer. Like, I don't care if it's a, a, a one-acre lot. So the line has to be a little longer in between houses, but right. but make them put it in this system, you know? But I think they do it on purpose so they don't have to worry about it. They don't have to maintain a big sewer system, you know, just let let the peons deal with it. So with with a septic, um, as long as you just learn the, the rules, there's, there's mistakes people make because they just don't pay attention and they get themselves in trouble. I'll give you an example. If you have a septic system in, in a house and it's a four-bedroom house, if you put a fifth bedroom in the basement or you just have a bed sitting somewhere, when the inspector comes in to inspect your septic system, they're going to write that down as a five-bedroom system. But that house was only built with a four-bedroom septic. They will make you upgrade it, right? If you put a bathroom in a basement, they're going to make you upgrade the system. So... Just do everything with permits, any upgrades, and make sure your septic system is upgraded with it. Don't flush anything down the toilet besides toilet paper. Um, make sure that there's a filter on the septic system. Have it pumped out every one to two years, depending on the size of the family and the size of the tank. Um, if you just follow the rules, they can last forever. I've, I've had some houses that are 40 years old and their system passed. And then I've had some houses that are only 10 years old that fail because the people aren't taking care of it. Right. They're, they're just flushing anything and everything, wipes and feminine products and all that stuff can clog the system. And anything can be fixed cheaply except for the field. 
if you have to dig out your whole field, it, it's 20000 Wow. All right. What should individuals look for when they look for a real estate agent? Real estate, real estate agent. agent. How, do you, know, how yeah. do you find a great real estate agent? Word of mouth, mostly. If you have friends that work with somebody or family members that work with somebody and they like them, they're, they're worth trying. Um, if, if you don't have a personal connection, you can try looking online and look for reviews. Um, just remember online is you, you can't trust everything you see. You know, people can get their friends to give them reviews in, in some cases that may not be legit. Right. Um, but generally speaking, like Realtor.com, Zillow, those kind of home pages, um, you have to be, like identify as a buyer or seller and they check it against the transactions. So most of them are, are true. And if you see a trend of good reviews on someone, they're probably decent. Um, just if you're going to sign a contract with an agent, make sure you sign a contract that says if they're not satisfied, you're allowed to cancel and hire someone else. Oh, you are. And, and mine always say satisfaction guarantee. Okay. I'm, I had no idea that you could do that. I yeah. Okay. Yeah. You can sign a buyer agency agreement just like you can sign a listing agreement. And the, and the buyer agency agreement is, is good for the buyer too. Like it's funny. A lot of buyers are afraid to sign something. But if they just slow down and read it, it, it offers them protection. Because if I'm just like randomly showing you houses, do I really work for you? Do I really owe you a specific treatment? I don't, not really. We don't have an agreement, right? But if I have a signed agreement with you that says, I'm going to answer you within 24 hours. I'm going to call you back on the weekends. I, you know, like those buyer agency agreements spell all that out. And then if they're not doing what they what the agent signed off to do, you have the rights to fire them, you know? Good to know. Good to know. How do you, you know, how do you, what do you think um, clients should do to collaborate with real estate agents? Because if I have special needs for what house I'm looking for, you know, I don't want my real estate agent to show me a hundred different houses. Yeah. That's not going to match my criteria. So <clears throat> what advice do you have for clients to say, hey, sit yeah. down with the real estate agent or how do you sit down with the real estate agent? So, you know, from my perspective, I feel like I learn pretty quickly just by going out to see one or two houses with you, seeing your comments, seeing how you look at things, you know, the things we talk about, I'll start to hone in. Some people won't. Um, I, I would say just try to be specific, um, but maybe not, not too sure and too specific up front. Because a lot of people think they know what they want, but then they end up liking something else. So I would say try to be open-minded and see a few houses together and then have a meeting. I mean, obviously, if you get lucky and see the house you want and you buy it, great. You got lucky, right? But if you see a few houses and there's nothing there for you to pick, it, you could probably have a meeting then and, and use a couple examples. You know, I like the first one and the third one, and this is why. And just just literally talk it out and tell them with an example of what you liked. At what point do you say, okay, I can't do this anymore? Yeah. I mean, is it after 50 houses or 100 houses when the client just cannot yeah. pick a house? I mean, how, how long can you work with this person? I've had somebody see over 30 or 40. Um, I, you know, a few years ago when the inventory was big, and there, were, there was also a lot of vacant houses. So you could have a day where you went out to see 
seven or eight houses in a row and it only took a couple hours, you know, because when there's a lot of inventory, people would pick a town or an area and, and you, you know, you just went and saw them all very quickly. It wasn't as big of a deal. If you were to see 30 houses in today's market, you're probably driving a couple hundred miles between all the different areas you're going because there's only like two in Woolwich in your price range, two in Logan in your price range, one in East Greenwich. You, you know, people are just going further and further in their searches. Um, I, I don't know if I could put a specific number on it, but it, it's it's kind of a it's kind of like a a, a group of symptoms. I, I would say um, if they're if if you have a buyer who like just one week you pick a house and the next week you pick a house, they're not really taking up a ton of time but they're earnestly looking online and it's just taking a long time, no big deal. But if we're like literally going out, at, you know, two or three days a week and you're just looking at everything and turning it down, eventually I'm going to reach the point where I think you're, you're just not ready to buy, you know, right, right. or you just don't know what you want. And obviously I'm not finding it for you. So maybe we're not a good match. Um, but I, I don't think it's happened more than maybe once or twice in 12 years, 11 years. Give us some stories. Any kind of significant yeah. challenges you faced during the real estate uh, while your career in yeah. real estate? Uh, so yeah, uh, it's it's hard. Um, it's hard to decide where you're going to pay for advertising uh, leads. Like you, if you're if you become productive at all, you get bombarded with sales calls, and everybody's trying to sell you their system. We're going to match you with this many leads, right, this right. many sellers, this many buyers. It's only this much upfront cost. It's this much a month. And, you know, when you're new and you don't really know, you, you it's easy to start believing some of this. And I did believe some stuff and I've tried a bunch and most of them suck. <laughs> they, just, <laughs> they just don't work. Right. Um, the best way to, to like Realtor.com and Zillow can sell you some leads because they're, they're the bigger websites and and people generally on those sites are, are clicking on a house that's on the market and, and you'll get a message saying, Hey, this person wants to see a house. So if you, if you reach them quickly, I think that's how we met. I don't yes, think it was a referral. I, I, I think it was Zillow or Realtor. Zillow or Realtor. Yeah. And that's how I called you. So if you, if you connect with someone like that and, you know, go out and see a few houses, they become your client. Well, that that's worth, you know, paying Zillow or Realtor and, and taking some of those leads. But for the most part, what you have to do is everybody you work with, stay in touch. Like we're still staying in touch. Right. You're still getting my stuff in the mail, like a football schedule or end of the year note or Christmas card or something. Exactly. Yeah. If I ever buy, sell this house, you're probably, contact yeah. you. And, and, you know, obviously you have to like me at least a little bit or think I know what I'm doing, but the key is really just staying in touch. Because if I stop mailing you this stuff and you don't think about houses for three years, it, you know, I'll just be forgotten, right? right, right. Not, not for anything other than we didn't stay in touch. So I'm at a point now after 11 or, or almost 12 years that probably 50% of the work I do is past clients or a client whose child is now buying or their brother or sister. You know, it's, it's mostly people I know, not as many new people. And that's the goal to try to get a book of a business because, you know, a lot of people don't even realize this, but we don't 
sell houses. <laughs> we work with people who are selling houses or right. buying houses. It's an agency uh, relationship, and our, and we have a fiduciary responsibility, which means I have to put your needs first, right? Your your need to find a house or sell a house has to be more important than my need to get a commission. Um, and if I don't do it that way, I can lose my license or get in trouble or, or be sued or whatever. <clears throat> um, so it's, it's really about relationships. If I get you to be my client, you might buy several houses. You might sell several houses. If I look at it as 123 South Avenue was the client, well, I sold the house and now it's sold. Now I'm done. Right. <laughs> so it's, it's really about relationships with people and getting them to want to work with you. What do you think, future of real estate? <sighs> I mean, do we see the interest rates going down? Do we see the market about to crash? What do you think? So I don't think there's any crash on the uh, horizon. Um, interest rates will always go up and down, like we, we mentioned earlier. Um, and, they, and that rolls with the economy. Uh, but it, we are in a real weird, scary time because there's some lawsuits going on in the background that the layperson probably doesn't even know about. Um, but our, <clears throat> our commission structure works. Um, right now, we generally will be hired by somebody who's selling a house, and we charge them a commission. Uh, it could be 6%, 5%, whatever. We'll say 5%. And I'm taking half of my commission and paying the buyer's broker for for bringing the buyer. And for some reason, somebody thinks that there's something wrong with that process and that sellers are somehow forced to overpay commissions or inflating commissions in that context. So who knows what's going to happen with it? Because it's, it's, it's very hard to understand and bizarre. But if, it, if the people that are doing the lawsuits are successful, Basically, they want the buyer agent to negotiate their own commission with the seller. So would that be a separate commission? I guess. I guess. So basically, yeah, they want me to list your house and I'm going to charge you instead of 5%. Sharing my commission with that agent, that agent is somehow supposed to already have an agreement with their buyer that if they can't secure a commission, the buyer will pay for it. And it's just so weird. Like I won't take somebody out to show, I'm not going to drive in my car and spend money and risk either a car accident or a lawsuit or, or whatever, not knowing that there's a payment at the end. So like we're afraid what's going to end up happening if somehow these uh, suits are successful is the buyers are going to have no representation because they already don't have extra money to pay an agent to help them. Right, right. You know, it's already hard enough to save up enough money and pay for closing costs. Um, the, the mortgage laws would have to change to allow commission to be built into the purchase. Maybe that'll work. But right now, you can't borrow money in your mortgage to pay an agent or a lawyer. So it's, it's very weird. Um, it basically, the premise of it was somehow us agents are ripping people off and inflating commissions. And ironically, the result 
of, of these types of lawsuits, if they're successful, will just be to harm lower budget buyers. Like they're, they're the ones that are going to get screwed again. Just like right now, first time buyers can't afford a house. You know, they, the prices shot up so high that they, they can't get in and they, they may have school loans and don't have enough money saved up to give a down payment. And now they are going to have to pay an agent. So, so we're guessing, or at least I'm looking at it as the most likely scenario if these things are successful is I'll list your house for two and a half percent. And when the buyer comes, Hey, buyer beware, go, go pay for your own help. Wow. That's it, it, yeah. Like how's that going to benefit anyone? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think you do need a real estate agent to navigate yeah. through all these legal yeah. matters. And, and, and if you, um, if you like, if you can't afford it, if you already can't afford it, how are you going to like, just how's it going to be done? How's that buyer going to pay you the house price? If they have to pay their agent, they're going to make you a lower offer. Right, right. So, so like I look at it as these people who thought of these lawsuits just don't understand. Cause if they put themselves in that position where, okay, I'm not going to pay that extra two and a half percent, but now the buyer's paying it. So they're going to come and offer you two and a half percent less. Right, right. So what's the wow. difference? That's crazy. Right. It's crazy. What do you think of the market as far as the millennials go? Cause I feel like the trend now is everyone wants lower space. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, less space, less space. Yeah. Um, I mean, we're talking townhomes, building townhomes in every single town. Yeah. Versus big homes with the 3,000, 4,000 square foot. I think that's, that I don't think it's a choice. I think that's what the builders are doing because they're cheap and easy to put up. Right. And they can get the most houses in the smallest amount of space. Um, I think the buyers actually want more space because that's what started this whole thing. When we had the lockdowns, mm -hmm. everybody realized, Hey, the government could do this to me. And if I'm stuck at home again, maybe I should have a pool. Maybe I should have a finished basement so that I can get away from the rest of the house. And, you know, if we're stuck here, like I want my own deck, I want my own backyard. I want, so I, I don't think it's what the people want. I think it's what they're stuck buying. And the funny thing is I went to Bucks County. They're offering townhomes for a million dollars for less than 3000 yeah. square foot. Yeah. And you have homes at the same price, yeah. which I, I, I find, I don't understand how that works. So your house here is bigger than the ones they're selling across the street for 400,000. Exactly. That doesn't yeah. make sense to nope. me. I, I just don't understand. Yeah. Um, as far as, uh, you know, in uh, financing, um, are there any kind of financing deals or uh, any incentives for the buyers at this time in, yeah. the, in this area? So there is still a first time home buyer program and it and you ironically don't actually have to be a first time home buyer. I think it's just like three year history. Right. You you can't have an FHA. It maybe you can't have any mortgage, but I I think they really only look at you can't have an FHA loan in the last few years, and then you can qualify. Um, you know, check with the lender. Don't take my word for it. <clears throat> but the state will give you ten thousand dollars as a second loan. But if you stay in the house, and, and it's a second loan that you pay interest only, right? Um, four or five years. If you stay in the house for five years, they convert it to a grant and, and wipe the, the debt off. So a first-time buyer can still get that incentive um, from the state. And there, there's different banks that do their own different incentives that, you know, a, if a bank does a mortgage and isn't selling it as a security, keeping it in-house, they can kind of make up some of their own rules. They're not 
you know, stuck following all the Fannie and Freddie mortgage guidelines. So you can find stuff with your local banks. But generally speaking, the big one right now is the $10,000 first-time buyer grant. Okay. All right. So we're going to wrap it up. And uh, last question. Mm -hmm. If I wanted to be a real estate agent, what advice do you have for young college kids who want to be real estate agents? Yeah. How do they enter the market? And is it a good time to be a real estate agent at this time? Yeah, I think um, it's it's a hard time to start right now just because the, in the last, uh, you know, five years uh, or since COVID-19 happened, when it looks easy, thousands of people get their license, right? And, and it looked easy because houses were being bought and sold so fast. But we're already seeing layoffs, a lot of mortgage company layoffs, a whole bunch of agents on teams that don't really have their own book of business can't get leads from their team anymore. They're already leaving and getting other jobs. But if it's something you want to do, you know, if you're, I think it's a different perspective. Like there's people that see what they think is easy money and they jump in. Two years later, they're going to jump on solar. Two right. years later, they're going to jump on whatever the next thing is, right? But if you really want to be in real estate, do it. And it's, it's you that matters, not the real estate market. So if you join, you know, finish your degree first, get your education done, be who you're going to be first. And when you get in the market, you know, if you're, if you're fresh out of college and living at home, it's easy because you don't need income right away. You can, you know, it takes time to earn money. Um, if you're on your own, it, it's, it's a little harder. You should really have saved up a whole year worth of cash so that for that whole year, you're not hoping to get a paycheck to pay your bills. You're able to pay your bills with your, you know, what you have saved and let the business happen. Because if you get into chasing a commission, those are the people that do things wrong. They cut corners. They let stuff slide. They're like, oh, maybe not. I'm not going to say this. I just found this problem, but I'm not going to bring it up because I don't want to lose the deal. You know, like if I see a leak, I'm telling you, there's a freaking leak. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're not buying this house, right? But a, a desperate person, somebody who's desperate for a commission might just be like, nope, I didn't see nothing, <laughs> you know? So if you're chasing a commission, you, you can get yourself into some shady stuff. But if you're planned for the whole year and you get into a, a you know, join my office, for example, I would be happy to help you and, and show you the ropes. But almost every office has a recruiter or a team that needs somebody and can show you the ropes. But if, if you can, you know, get, get your degree done, start the process and, and have that year of backup money, you can build a, a business and, and get it going. I think for me, it took, I think the first six, I started in August of 2012. And I think I made one rental commission that year. Wow. That's in not, six months. That's not a lot. <laughs> yeah. I made like 1400 bucks. Uh, no, half of 1400 because <laughs> the fourteen hundred a month rent, I made seven hundred of it, um, and I had a, a half of a listing for eighty five thousand dollars that my broker helped me as training. Um, I think the next year <laughs> I earned about thirty grand, and then by year three I was, you know, doing okay. So after this podcast interview, I feel like the best advice I can give to college students is stay at home as much as possible. As long as you can. As long as you can. Stay mm -hmm. at your home. Save yeah, the money. Save the money. Before you buy a house. Yes. Don't run out to rent. If you like, if, I mean, if you have to, you have to, it's, you know, you do what you have to do, but 
If you don't have to rent somewhere, why are you paying someone else's investment? Give it to yourself, you know? Right, right. Hold on to it until you can get your own house. How do people reach you? How can they make you their real estate agent? Okay. Uh, my cell phone number is 610-220-9452. And I can be reached by a phone call or text anytime. My website is uh, marcantuno.realtor. So www.marcantuno.realtor, which is R-E-A-L-T-O-R. You heard it. All right. Any last advice? Anything you want to leave us with? Give us some yeah, uh, yeah. If you if you want to get into real estate, it's it's still a, a really good career, and you don't have to just buy and sell. There's so many things you can do: title work, uh, mortgages. Uh, you could be a buyer specialist, a listing agent, um, teaching. Um, if it's if it's something you like, don't be afraid of the stuff you hear. You know, do do what you want to do. Be you. Give it all a shot. All right, Dave. We appreciate you coming, taking your time out of your busy schedule. Hope you uh, have great success this year. Happy to do it. Thanks for the invite. All right. Thank you.